0: Welcome to another episode of In Your Business. I'm um, your host, Sasha Syed. Our co-host, Sean, will be coming in a little late because he's in a meeting today. So we have our featured guest today, Zalyn Godfroy, and she is from, what's the name of your company?
1: Godfrey Financial.
0: Godfrey Financial, and she is a financial advisor, and uh, she's gonna tell us about her journey into her career and some of the challenges she faced. So Alin, the floor is yours. Please tell us about yourself and how you got to be where you're at today.
1: So I've been a financial advisor for 20 years, and I actually started, when I, I went to the University of Windsor and I majored in finance and accounting, and it wasn't until I was in my third year of uh, tax classes that I realized that I didn't actually want to become a chartered accountant, which was the <laughs> path that I had started down. So the positive is that I have the tax background that I can now apply to my job. Um, but there was a t- third year tax course that that was like my you know fork in the road where it's like, I'm going to be a lifer being a CA and probably not enjoying myself or looking for something different. And um, I had worked, or sorry, I, I worked with a financial advisor who was at Clerica, which is now Sun Life, and okay. he had done my first mortgage on my house, and I bought some life insurance to cover the mortgage, set up my investments with him. So that was, that would have been in like 2022, when I was 22 years old, uh, just getting ready to graduate from the university. And uh, I went in for a review, got chatting with him, and it seemed like it might be a neat a career, So I did an aptitude test and uh, here I am 20 years later still in the industry. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I was going to ask if it was uh, like a first choice career for you because uh, like on Definitely my side. Definitely not.
1: No. no yeah. <laughs> so you
0: were starting as CPA and then you kind of in the course realized it wasn't for you and moved on into financial.
1: Yeah. And then I thought, God, I hate this. Um, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed HR courses you know, in university, but I knew I didn't wanna be working in an HR capacity. I had 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 a supervisory role before at a previous job and uh, yeah, so it just happened, you know, stars sort of aligned and, you know, right time, right place, had that conversation. And I worked there for three and a half years and it was a great place to learn. Uh, and grow, but I realized that I could offer my clients a little bit more by working independently as a broker. Mm -hmm. So just like you do for uh, your mortgage clients and you can shop around and get the best rates for them and fit them with the right product for them, I can do that for my clients for insurance and investments and setting them up with the best solution.
0: Excellent. What kind of, uh, like what kind of education did you need or continuing education? Like for us, we have to do a course, so we have to read a book and then do an online course to get our agent license and then we have to be an agent for two years and then we can get our broker course and then we can manage a team. So for maybe people that are looking in that industry, what's the education requirements or continuing education requirements to do that?
1: Uh, so you have to be 18, you have to be able to, you know, sign up, be able to sign a contract yep. when you get licensed. So I did, it's called your life license qualification program. So basically my insurance license and I did that. I actually wrote that exam, um, for anyone that's listening that, uh, maybe was in their twenties or older, um, in the, uh, the year 2003, you may have remembered we had a huge blackout. Yep. Yeah. So I think we just came up on the 20 year anniversary. So I had actually just (laughs) written my last four university exams and I had a capstone course for the university for my BCom. And then I wrote my life insurance exam and then everything went black and i had quit my previous job thinking okay i'm going to ace this thing and then you know had to wait for a weekend with no power and find out if i passed this exam or not (laughs) thankfully i passed and um so you don't actually need any formal education however i am now a certified financial planner and the requirement is that you do have to have a university degree to be able to do your cfp designation so having my bcom was definitely an asset i mean they the industry may change that in the future but that's how it sits right now Uh, so that's what i have and then i have four other financial planning designations as well too um so that's so if someone's thinking about getting into the industry uh either they're the average age of a financial advisor in canada is about 55 okay and it's getting you know it's it's getting tougher for um older advisors to retire and bring people in for their succession plan so there's definitely a lot of opportunity for you know younger people or if someone's looking for you know, a second career um you know, I really think it's a fantastic industry. It's just a matter of uh, whether you wanna work as a captive agent like I did at Clerica, which is now Sun Life, where um, you work for an organiza- their organization, you have um, a book of business that you build up, but you're just working for that one company. Yep. Whereas I have contracts with multiple companies across Canada. Um, so some ways of getting into the business are better for some people versus others. Uh, but for me, um, the path I chose was the captive agency first and then switched over to becoming a broker about three and a half years into my career.
0: Nice. Are you born and raised in Windsor?
1: I was actually born in Calgary. My uh, late 70s, early 80s, all the jobs were out west. So my parents are originally from Windsor, but uh, I was born in Calgary and then uh, moved to the Windsor area when I was I think it was like two or three years old oh, so okay. i've been so here most been here most of my life yeah
0: you were definitely raised in windsor yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. so okay so uh, i'm wondering when you got your business started when you got Godfrey financial started mm-hmm. uh what was that journey like like was it did you find yourself facing a lot of challenges did you do it by yourself did you start with somebody else
1: uh so i worked independent so that was in uh 2007 so that was uh, right before you know, world got a little kooky in two thousand eight with uh, you know the mortgage. Yep.
0: Mortgage stuff. thing destroyed. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, with me, I I was in a lot of activities when I was younger, um, so I have a lot of connections. You know, I, I know a lot of people in the city of Windsor. So for me, it was just a matter of getting in touch with um, different uh, you know people that I had worked with in the past, or um, and just connecting with them, having a conversation with them about their finances. So uh, in every business, it's just, and I'm sure you'll you'll find this in the mortgage industry, uh, it gets easier as time goes by. So now that I've been doing this for 20 years, um, I don't want to say I can do my job with my eyes closed. I mean, there's always (laughs) different things that come up, but I've been doing it for so long that, you know, I know usually within five to 10 minutes of somebody sitting in front of me, whether or not we're going to be a good fit to work together.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So Sean, co-host Sean came What's in. What's up guys.
2: Yay. Hi, nice to meet you by the way. <laughs> I'm Sean. 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 and to meet you too. Yeah. Sorry guys, I'm late. Um, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to meet, uh, Alan, pronounce correctly. Um, so I don't know what we've covered so far, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you today,
0: to be honest. Yeah, um, so just to catch you up here, so Alin has Alin Godfrey Alin, Financial. Me, yep, she's a financial advisor. She went to university for a CPA, mm-hmm. and then in her third year decided that she wanted to do something else. So she took that education mm-hmm. and went into financial advisor, and it was... Um, 2000 when did you start the business 2010? 2003 2003 Ooh, i got some good questions so she's for you been ready. doing it for a really long time i'm ha- she also she's also the author of this is your second book is it not yes so this one i'm reading now is called retire on purpose it's a financial blueprint to protect your family and preserve your wealth uh it's just a lot of her experience she's got a lot of experience in tax stuff and, and financial planning so that's a good read um what's the name of your first book
1: it's called why you need a financial advisor okay and the reason i wrote that book um, i had a client come in the one day and she said oh i read this book on financial planning and it was fabulous Mm. well let me tell you i do not hear people say that every day (laughs) like most people don't want to read through a financial planning book so i happened to be at chapters picked up the book and i bought the book and i got about three pages in and i won't is it boring?
2: Like, was no, it not no, it, irri- it it
1: irritated the heck out of me. I it's actually a it pretty well known book, and so I won't say the name of the title. But mm-hmm. it, uh, it the gentleman that wrote the book basically said that he figures that millennials mm-hmm. can just do everything themselves. I'm like, okay, well, unless your parents really taught you how to budget, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they taught you about credit cards and how you can really get your butt kicked if you're not smart about credit oh, cards, hilarious. I was like, are you kidding me? I was infuriated.
2: Why? I got a question for you real sure. Quick. Why does there not exist some kind of financial literacy course in curriculum in
0: yes. high school? Mm-hmm. Good so question. I'll speak
2: to that, like just what you're saying there. So I didn't have a lot of financial literacy that my parents taught me growing up, love them to death, Mm -hmm. but you know, their strengths weren't their financial background. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn that lesson the hard way, you know, through university, right? Having access to a line of credit, Mm -hmm. which as a student is, it's not something you can really put into understanding of how much interest it's going to cost, how much, how much of those figures work. Yeah. And I feel like if I was explained, you know, what a line of credit is, you know, what is interest, how your repayment history works on compounding interest, interest accruing. Mm-hmm. Like that would make sense as, as a as a high school course, you'd think, you know, a ma- yeah. one year or even like one semester, it's yeah. like, this is what budgeting is. It just blows my mind that still doesn't exist in any school system to my understanding.
1: I agree. So now, here I am, I really, the demographic I work the most with is 50 plus, Mm -hmm. where people are five to 10 years from retirement or retired. And I do a number of uh, webinars, in-person seminars. That's the reason that I wrote the book is because people fast forward and they're like, oh my God, I should probably start saving. Or now I'm trying to take out money from my RSPs and I have no idea what the tax implications are so i do agree that there could be financial literacy ta- taught early at the same time though i think the onus too is on parents to just sit down like how mm-hmm. many families i listened to a podcast the other day and the average canadian family only sits together for 30 percent of their meals to eat really yes and that's where you have conversation so i have a six-year-old he's learning about money
0: yeah. yeah. Right?
1: And it doesn't have to be and then, you know whether you have kids that are 6 or 16 having very basic conversations. Yeah. So when I pick them up from school, we pass the Circle K. So, Mom, I want a slushie. Well, did you bring money cuz you know Mommy didn't bring her wallet. Clearly I bring my wallet. Yeah. But
2: <laughs> I said if you yeah, want a, a
1: slushie, to... we will take $3 out of your piggy bank and you can buy a slushie tomorrow. Well, I don't want a slushy if I if I have to pay for it.
0: Great, my kid's going to be a saver. That. Yeah,
1: but he's six and he gets an allowance. If he makes his bed, he gets a dollar. Wow. If he remembers to make his bed, he gets two dollars. Oh. And sorry, gentlemen, I know I'm outnumbered in this room, but ladies, if you're listening to this you can probably imagine that I haven't had to pay my son very often for remembering to make yeah, his bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's usually just the $1, uh, but he knows. So I, so to bonus. him again, he's six, but I just, he was like, mommy, I want this. Okay. Well you have to make your bed for, he'll want a happy meal. Okay. You have to make your bed for six days in a row to buy a happy meal. Ooh, well so then I don't work. want a happy yeah. meal. For a six-year-old. Right? So he's six. So you can have those very basic conversations. Um, so to me, I think the key is sitting down and having conversations. So yes, I get that people say, hey, it should be the mm. school system. But it's it's basic mathematics. If you bring in $10 in a week and you spend $11, you are in the negative.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to teach my niece right now. She's 13. So... I uh, love my sister, love my niece very much, but she is 13 and she's experiencing the, I want to buy things right now. Mm-hmm. And her friends, you know, her, some of her friends have privileged parents that just give them a credit card and they go to the mall all willy nilly. So she doesn't have that. And so she's 13 and she already on her own called a bunch of like, uh, what are you, uh grocery stores. Yeah. They all told her she's got to be 15. To uh, she went to Tim Hortons. They told her she's got to be 14. So she's got caught stealing from the mall. Mm. And then she did some other stuff, skipping out of school, elementary school, getting caught doing things on high school properties. So Uncle Sasha had to step in and be like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? And now we're going through this, trying to teach her about the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's funny you're bringing up the allowance because that's how I was raised. I don't know if you were raised on an allowance, no. John. No? I didn't have an
2: allowance growing no up way. actually. So yeah, that's that's a bit of a foreign concept to me. The whole Not that it was foreign, but... Um, sorry, we, we, yep. we, I just don't want to cut you off here. Uh, you know, I had a job when I was very young and I did have to pay for things, but, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't have... Maybe it's because my parents might not have been good enough at money to afford really allocating allowance because yeah. I had two siblings as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just never something that they they considered, we just did it for free, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You You want to sleep in this roof? You better your roof. I I just did it for free.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So growing up for me and my brother, we had on Saturday mornings, we had to pretty much clean the whole house. We split the whole house up and then we each got $5. We're talking 1990. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So now I made a list of chores for my niece and I'm giving her $20 a week if she Mm -hmm. does them. And then we're a little bit loose on the rules right now. I just want to ask your opinion because Mm -hmm. your son is six and it sounds like you got him doing pretty good. I mean, you making your bed is as I think good for a 6-year-old. So mm-hmm. we got her doing dishes, cleaning the litter, Um, You know, doing her laundry keeping her room clean Mm -hmm. but what I'm finding in the last couple of weeks since we started doing this she'll call me on Thursday night and be like Uncle Sasha I'm doing all my chores here's all the pictures and videos because they live in London right Mm -hmm. and I'm like well you're supposed to do something on Monday and Tuesday we have a set list for you here like Mm -hmm. what's going on in the real world you can't just not go to work when you don't want to like you got to get on the schedule and then my sister's like can you still pay her and I'm like well she's not really learning anything this way
1: it's like cramming for an exam or a yeah. test the night before. It's like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a One time. At a t- so I whether it's line. if you're if you're saving for something or if you have to write a big paper, it's like start on Monday and do a little bit so you're not staying up till midnight the night before or your parents are doing your project for you because you procrastinated. So I think... I commend you for helping her with that lesson, but the earlier she can learn that now, or you might just have to say, sorry, kiddo, these are the rules yeah. and this week you don't get You don't get your paycheck.
0: That's what. Next I week do better. I, do. I mean, it's,
1: it's tough <laughs> love, but I think that she'll be thankful right now. She probably wouldn't be so thrilled with you, but fast forward, you know, 10 years from now when she's 23 yeah, and she's yeah. got an appreciation for money and yes. hard work. Also, I will tell you, if you're listening to this, if you want your kids to appreciate the value of a dollar, have them go corn to tasseling. Oh, I did that my. when I was 15. I that was tassel. the most horrendous <laughs> job I have ever done in my life. I hated every second. I came home with blistered hands, sunburnt, yep. absolutely miserable, throw myself on my bed. I was 15. Yeah. Like, Mom, <laughs> you're awful. You're mean. But let me tell you, for the 10 hours where I was sweating and getting bit and everything else. That I just worth it. was dreaming about. And I think they paid us like $5 and whatever the farm yeah. wage was back in, well, that would have been 1995, whatever that wage was. It was horrific. But let me tell you, I was so good at keeping that money and saving mm. it. Like I am going to savor every darn dollar that yeah. I made. I think mm. every kid needs to have a crappy job that they hate so that they can appreciate in the future. Just the hmm. value of a dollar yeah. So,
0: How old were you when you had your first job?
1: Oh I was like 9 or 10 I did penny savers yeah. I, I yeah. walked kids you to too, school I, ba- yeah. Yeah. I babysat I didn't have a job until I was
0: 14 no at, way. At The very earliest I was 10 and I started with penny savers And then went to the Windsor Star And yeah. then I was 11 And then Bullseye Pizza opened in LaSalle It was two blocks away from where I lived yeah. So Mario, shout out to Mario Delamonte Gave me my first job uh, 10 cents a flyer This yeah. guy used to drop me off at Freaking golf you in Malden, yeah. and be like, "Here's a thousand flyers." <laughs> Walk back to the store at freaking Front Road and, wow. and uh, Superior. That's interesting. And Yeah, so I was doing that, and then when I turned 12, I got my sin, and then he started teaching me how to make pizzas, and I worked there until I was 17. Oh, and then yeah. from there, I started working at my dad's when I was 18, oh. and then I was there. Until- I didn't have I didn't have any,
2: any job until I was 14, and honestly, like I was in grade nine at the time, so I was in you know, high school, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was given full full autonomy over my money. Yeah, me too. My me parents too. just were like, all right, it's your money. But I, 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 in hindsight, you know, if I had read a book about budgeting that I did later yeah. in my life, if I had read it back then, I think I would have, wouldn't have spent my money in the way same. that I did, right? So I had to learn that lesson kind of a hard way because then I had no money. So yeah, same, you had to budget same. all of your dollars very, very well at that yeah. point. But I think that is a lesson that maybe you guys had learned prior and you you had developed those habits a little bit earlier because you had jobs when you were much younger Uh, i don't know well i uh, would say
1: so you you had that autonomy so in our household we talked about money a lot Mm -hmm. my stepdad was like okay you have a job you are saving and I bought my first car I, when I was sixteen, turning seventeen. I was seventeen. My grandfather passed away, mm-hmm. um, and he left me five thousand dollars, which helped me buy a car. And yeah. then my stepdad used his line of credit, and he said, "Okay, now you're going to pay me back." And I used to work at Zellers, so now if you're listening to this and you go <laughs> to the food court at Devonshire Mall, Zellers used to be there, and it was an awesome part-time <laughs> job. But he knew what I made, and he, and I would go to pay him each week. He's like, "No, give me more money." So I had that car paid mm. off in five months. Yeah. And I was taught that you are saving and you pay yourself first. And I know everyone hears that term and that concept, but I don't think people really know what that means, right? So you've got to say, make your mortgage payment, pay your property taxes, cell phone, car insurance, gas in your car, You want to eat, obviously, have entertainment. But if you don't put on there, you know, Sasha's vacation fund or Sean's retirement fund and you're not putting, you know, 50 or $100 a week away or $200 a month or whatever the amount is, your money just disappears. Everyone's got their hand out for your money. So whether you're stopping at Starbucks, Tim Hortons, getting takeout, whatever the case may be. Mm i think that's where things really differed for me was like no this is you are putting money away each week and i didn't have a choice and yeah. you know at, i'm pretty sure when i was a teenager i probably didn't love that i mean you yeah. know this is, we're talking 30 almost 30 years ago mm-hmm. um but now i appreciate the fact that we had these conversations as a family and I talk to everybody about money, whether you want to talk about it or not. You know, yeah, I, I have important. stepkids. It we talk important. about money. Yeah, I
2: think yeah. Like yeah. my parents are still hesitant to talk with me about money. Yeah, and mine it's, too. It's. I think it's the fact, and I've I've had this conversation with my parents before. Maybe you know you've experienced this. So I, you know, my experience with my parents. So as we are brokers, you know, I I've I've provided them advice in the mortgage space, and I essentially opened their eyes to the fact that, you know, there is a better way to structure their home finances. But by doing that, I need them to be vulnerable enough to expose to me what's going on Mm -hmm. so I can help them in a better way. And through that, you know, I had to identify like how much my parents earned, you know, because growing up, I never knew how much they they made. Yeah. If we struggled as a family, but we were very emotionally close so we could have those conversations in that capacity. Mm -hmm. But my parents were almost hesitant or they were hesitant to tell me what they earned because, you know, when they were kids, we didn't ask our parents how much they made. You know? Yeah, no We way. just, we just, you know, they, they made what they made. We never needed to know about that. You know? So it's like, they didn't want me to know how much they earned because, you know, I'm a younger generation or some, I don't know what it was really. I still have a hard time, but it's gotten better, you know, through this experience. Um, I just think that, I think finances maybe for an older generation is, Is harder to talk about. You know what I mean?
1: But I think that trust is key. So I tell people I'm the no judgment zone. Like, you know what? I've had clients that have filed for bankruptcy before, Mm -hmm. and hey, life happens, and maybe you made some poor choices. And I have clients that are multimillionaires and people in between. So my job is to look and say, okay, where are you at now? You know we can't change what happened in the past but where you want to go in the future and then let's take a look at what you have coming in what do you have coming out mm. and when i especially getting people ready for retirement so many people do not have a budget if you don't know what you have coming in right now and what you have going out how on earth are you going to be able to quit your job yeah, and plan. live Anything. comfortably so i think the key is just having open dialogue with people
2: yeah
1: and i i think i people find me to be a trusting person. Like I'm not, my job isn't here to judge you. My job is to help you to improve upon things. Yeah. Yep. So if you have that, you know, openness with whoever your, you know, mortgage broker is or financial professional, I really think that's 90% of the battle. And then that financial professional can steer you in the right way. Yeah.
0: yeah. Exactly. So, um, I got two, two things mm. <laughs> just to finish the previous conversation uh the one thing i held a grudge on my parents not really a grudge that's bad to say but one thing i i wish my parents did differently Mm -hmm. was take control of the money i made from bullseye and at least split it up yeah so this is what i'm going through back and forth with my sister and my niece right now because i want to give her 20 dollars a month but i want to put 10 of it away Mm -hmm. and she can learn to manage the other 10 Mm -hmm. right but they don't want to she obviously wants her money she's 13 she doesn't know but i'm the one who's giving the money so Mm -hmm. Do you think, just your advice, should I put my foot down and put 10 of it away and just make her deal with that and kind of deal with that? Yeah, absolutely, because Mm -hmm. she will
1: appreciate it later. Okay. It's your money, you get to make the rule. And I, I mean, at the same time, she's 13, you're going to blink and she's going to be 14. I know you can work at Tim Hortons. They'll let you, they don't let you, apparently, they don't let you pour coffee, but you can still work there.
0: Yeah. Oh. But there
1: are jobs out there. You know, when people say, oh, there's no jobs out there, no, if you oh, have a shovel, go is. shovel snow. They live yeah. in London, they get yep. a lot of snow. I'm sure there are people in the neighborhood that have dogs. I used to pay my neighbors across that. the street. Yeah. I used to pay my neighbors because I would have a long work day. I'd pay them $5 a day and they would walk my dog. So I didn't have to rush home. Yeah. I'm sure they're, the dogs, when you have dogs, they also go to the washroom. There are lots. If somebody knocked on my door and said, you know, hey, I'll clean up after your dog. Have at her. Here's a bag. Here's (laughs) a bag. You know, I um, actually had a young man um, live down the street from me. He stopped at my house. Um, We had gone on vacation and my husband had still stayed away. I honestly have no, I probably could have figured out how to, um, drive a riding lawnmower or I could have left the grass grow. Yeah. Um, uh, but this, you know, kid came to the door, he's 15. He's like, do you want me to cut your grass? I said, okay, well how much? He says, uh, I'll do it for $15. Um, like one five, fifteen, not five zeros. Yeah, okay. So he cut my grass, did yeah, a great yeah. job. I'm like just to let you know, I would have paid you like twenty five or thirty dollars nice. because yeah. I don't wanna do it. So he, he cut the no grass. Context, I guess yeah. So, how so how I just said, that, hey, right? here I'm giving you twenty five dollars because you know, it took the kid. I don't know, like an hour or so to cut my grass. Like, don't discount yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I commend young people that you know it's it takes some guts to not ring somebody's doorbell. Like in our job, we're in you know sales type jobs where um, I think you have to knock on a door and and ask for that work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also ask people for more money because I really don't want to try and figure out how to use this yeah. damn riding lawnmower. <laughs> so I think there's lots of job yeah. opportunities available for young people. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally easy to just stay in the house and watch Netflix or play on a phone, but
0: all right, cool. That determines yeah. what I'm doing with her for this week. Nice. All right. Secondly, yes, let's talk more about services for your business. So what sure. kind of services do you offer to your clients? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah what kind of services and then we'll jump in stuff after that
1: Uh, so retirement planning so making sure so whether rsps make sense for somebody tax-free savings accounts uh, making sure that things are structured so that when somebody retires, they're not unnecessarily paying too much tax. We do tax preparation for our clients as part of the service so that we can help them with the optimal tax planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do life insurance, so making sure that uh, you know debts are covered off if something happens to somebody, um, but also using life insurance as an asset. So building up, I have a lot of clients that their tax-free savings accounts are maxed out out their rsps are maxed out and they need another place to tax shelter money Mm -hmm. and tax sheltering money in a life insurance policy is a great way to build up another pot of money for retirement so that's the, the the core services that we provide
0: okay so just real quick when you say tax sheltering, can you elaborate on that a little bit more
1: um so your tax-free savings, a tax-free savings account, as an example, uh, you've earned income or you've paid tax on it. You put that money into an account. It grows and accumulates and you don't have to pay tax on that every single year as it earns Dividends or capital gains depending on how you have your investment structured and then with the tax-free savings account you take it out You don't pay tax. So that's growing and accumulating tax sheltered But then you take it out tax-free and RSP grows sheltered from tax So you put the money in there it grows and accumulates You do have to pay tax on that based on your marginal tax rate when you take that money out.
0: Okay, We got a new um, a new savings account that's been brought to light. First home savings account. First home savings account. So and I know when you came in for your presentation, you touched on that. Can you touch on that a little bit here as well?
1: Yeah. So any Canadian between the ages of 18 and 40 can put $8,000 a year into an account up to 40000 total. And this is the first year. There's actually only a handful of companies that have them available right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've set up five or six of them now for clients. And when you do your income tax return, you get to use the $8,000 as a deduction, similarly to if you put money into an RSP. But the beauty of this account is when you take that money out for your first home, you don't have to pay tax on yeah. that money and you don't have to pay it back like you do through the Home Buyer's plan. Awesome. So yeah. if you're a young person listening to this or if you are... A mom and dad or grandparents that maybe your kids are living in your basement and you're thinking how on how earth do I help them out how on earth are these cave dwellers <laughs> gonna get out of I my damn basement you. you know <laughs> you I, I've had conversations with clients saying you know that's this market's a little crazy it and is. um you know maybe you need to help give your kids a hand up and uh, and help them and if you're going to be gifting them money at some point to get them out yeah then maybe you help them with 8 thousand it doesn't necessarily have to be $8,000, but you know, if if you give them $8,000 this year, and let's say somebody's making, um, say between 50 and $80,000 a year, they're going to be in a 29.65% tax bracket. You put eight grand in, they're going to get about $2,400 back. So if you can get money in before the end of the year...
0: Still time. Yeah. So how does that work? If like my mom wanted to put money in an account for me, to, mm-hmm. does it? That's the tax savings for her income, no, right? No, it's, it would be. It's individually oh,
1: really? owned. She would basically just say, "Here, Sasha. Here's eight grand. You own the account. You're in complete control. You get the tax deduction. I see. Mm-hmm. But Mama Bear has to say, "Here you go. Here's eight thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And trust that you're going to take that and put it into the and account. Right. Yep. You have complete control and ownership over so it. So
0: the tax uh tax break would be a, for my taxes. Correct. Okay, yes. interesting. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, know. it is an
2: awesome account. Um it's fairly new, right? Do you know? Yeah, they just... They, it was within the last like two years, I think.
1: How? No, this, this this year is the first, is the first year, first yeah, year and year, it's yeah. taken a long time because of Why? the... <sighs> um, just the administration with the government. Mm-hmm. So you gentlemen know when you do yeah. people's mortgages and they borrow money from the Home Buyers plan, there's um, a tax slip that they get when T-10 they...
2: 1036. Do- there
1: you go. So just the administration part of setting this all up through the government oh, has been a lot for the investment. Investment company, so they were actually supposed to be out in April, and it's been a little bit of
2: yeah.
1: um, headache with them trying to get everything rolled out. But like I said, I have a couple of companies that we have available, so we have opened a few already.
2: When you say companies, are so is that? whom is holding the account registered with the government or how does that yeah so i work
1: um as a broker like you guys do Mm -hmm. so i'm contracted with almost 20 companies across canada for insurance and investments so right now i have two companies that i deal with that we can actually open the first home savings
2: and these companies are they trust companies for example or what what Uh, one of them
1: uh one of them is equitable life okay and that's they're a life insurance company okay. and the other one is industrial alliance okay um same thing they're both have investment vehicles available tax-free yeah. savings rsps first home savings okay i see yeah. so
2: and then they hold your account yep. with them and they report to the government so you would then yep. you know invest through those accounts very interesting um you know I, I guess as a concept that an insurance company can basically support holding a registered account for someone how is how is that work, I guess. Are you able to kind of elaborate on how that, that it's financial the same, vehicle works? Yeah, it's the
1: same as any other. So whether you went to CIBC or TD Bank, you can open those identical accounts mm-hmm. with Canada Life, with Sun Life, with other, with insurance companies. So they okay. have the same. Yeah, because like we've to seen it on the mortgage accounts.
2: side um, with trust companies. So mm-hmm. like Olympia Trust, for example, if you've, I don't know if you've experienced them in the past. Um, they allow for the holding of a TFSA, they'll hold your TFSA RRSP, Mm -hmm. similar, and you can actually uh, direct funds onto a registered mortgage charge with your own directed funds. So similar to, you know, exposing, I guess, one of these to like the overall market, Mm -hmm. it's another way that you can invest in an asset, I guess, via these vehicles, but that asset is actually a mortgage. So that's another way, I guess. So for our experience, you know, we're seeing trust companies. I'm just curious if you've ran into like a similar trust type vehicle where these counts are held on on your side, I guess.
1: No, we don't deal with those. Okay. No problem.
0: Interesting. So, okay. So here's a question I have for TFSA. All bank, all the banks have a TFSA account, but then I hear often that you can use your TFSA account to invest in like stocks or other stuff. Mm -hmm. So if, if I have a TFSA account with my bank, does the is it like directed through the bank to make those investments, or is it just that? If you I wanted to use a TFSA to invest, do I have to come to a financial advisor to start that account, and then have the advisor do the investing with the TFSA funds?
1: Um, so. There's a lot of different ways that you can set up a TFSA. So if you go to a traditional bank, uh, sometimes they'll put you in something called a daily interest savings account. Okay. Uh, They may direct you into a high interest savings account. They may direct you to put money into a GIC. Mm -hmm. You could have um, a mutual fund portfolio. Uh, you could buy individual stocks if you wanted to set up like a direct investing account or uh, I know some financial institutions, they have you know, caps, you have to have $300,000 or yeah. more to work with the stock broker. Yeah. Uh, so every company is different mm-hmm. uh, with us. So, um, you know, we can open an account if somebody wants to put $500 into a tax-free savings account or $5,000 yeah. or, or greater. Okay. So each, every institution is different. I think the key is just what sort of advice that you're looking To get from an advisor, um, would I think would dictate what institution you would look at going to. Yeah,
2: for sure. Sash, for instance, you know you can go any bank, but you're you're kind of walking in blind, right? You can you can go with a financial advisor. They can give you all those resources and they can start you up and get you moving, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Versus you're basically walking in blind, and it's trial by fire a lot of the time. You know you can set up a TFSA anywhere, and they don't mind if you put money in there. They're not going to matter, right? But they don't mind if you lose that money too. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I mean
0: like, so, so this year I put some money into a TFSA and then, I mean, the year was like a little bit slow, so I had to take it out, but I put it in a TFSA and I had like five grand in there and I got $20 after one month. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, like, give me an option to be like, do you want to put this into a GIC? Or there's nowhere, like, in my account that I read or can mm-hmm. learn mm-hmm. to use those TFSA funds mm-hmm. to then invest in something else. So that's that's why I was asking that, because I'm if I don't know it, I'm sure many other people won't yeah, know what to question. do. Yeah.
1: So you're probably in a daily interest savings where a lot of financial institutions will pay you 1% or 2%. The problem though, they're taking your money and they're loaning it out to other people on mortgages when yeah, they see you guys, credit cards, lines of credit. So the key is just having more knowledge about your money and how to make it work for you.
0: Yeah. Sweet. That's a good point. And so what kind of, what advice would you have for somebody who's young and like wanting to, you know, set up their investments and all that stuff? What advice would you have for them? Like, what's the first thing they should start doing? What's the best thing that they can do to get started?
1: start sooner rather than later. Like if I had a dollar for everybody that said, oh, I wish I met you 20 years ago. I mean, I hear that (laughs) all (laughs) the time, right? So, and I think the key is just looking and and saying, okay, when you're looking at buying something, is it a want or is it a need? And I'm not saying don't spend and don't enjoy yourself, but uh, when you're spending every last dollar and then you're getting into debt, Mm -hmm. you know, having an honest conversation with yourself I mean, the holidays are around the corner, looking and saying, okay, do you have a budget? Do you need to go overboard? Uh, You know, I actually, um, my sister and I, we stopped, giving gifts to each other a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I just said you know like you're buying me a $100 Amazon card I'm buying you a $100 ca- gift card like we're just trading gift cards right. so I said yep. let's just get together and we're doing that more with family and I think it's okay to have that conversation everybody mm-hmm. clearly knows everything is getting more expensive yes. it's not like when we were kids and we had like I'm really dating myself here but we had like the consumers distributing catalog or the Sears catalog oh, yeah. and, Eva, we wrote out, those. and we wrote out our long list and Santa might have yeah. brought us five of the like yeah. 50 things we asked for now we have a society where like you amazon's delivering to your door the next day yeah. so i think it's okay day. to have that conversation with your family and say look let's set a limit and it just the whole point of the holidays is to get together with your families and just be thankful that everybody is be together.
0: together.
1: Yeah. And because, you know, January's going to get here and then you're going to get that visa bill or mastercard bill and go, wow, I was totally crazy. Why Overboard. did I do this? Yeah. yeah. So I My think for young people like and it does uh, young, you know, middle-aged older people just have a budget, stay within your means. And if you're not really sure how to do that, find a financial advisor that you trust.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. And, yeah. And
1: and, and start putting money too. away.
0: But like for savings though, like mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm like 22 and I'm out of school and I'm starting a decent job and I want and what's like what's the first thing I should start putting my money away to.
1: Typically most people I think a tax free savings because okay. you know life happens and you need to take money out. Yep. There's no tax implications. And yep. if you get to a point where your tax free savings account is maxed out and it makes sense for you to put money into an RSP. I've had younger people come in and say I want to open an RSP. I'm like, okay, well time out. Why do you want to open an RSP? Cuz yeah. my mom or, my mom and dad said so. And actually, I had a young man come in um, a few weeks ago. And he's going to school, and he's doing like an apprenticeship program to be a bricklayer, you know, making twenty five bucks an hour. Um, but I said, you know, what are you going to make, say, when you're fifty and you're a really experienced bricklayer? And he said, oh, probably hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so you're going to put money. You're going to make, say, fifty thousand dollars this year. You're going to be in a twenty nine point six five percent tax bracket. But we're going to fast forward to when you're, you know, 60 getting ready to retire and your tax bracket is going to be higher because your income's higher. You know, when you're 18, 19 years old, does it really make sense for you to put money into an RSP right now? Probably not, because for you, you're going to pay way more tax on it later. Let's get your feet wet with investing, put some money into a tax-free savings. Let's focus on getting that maxed out. When that's maxed out, then we'll have a conversation about an RSP. Yeah. So I think the key is just knowing about the pros and cons of each investment vehicle is really important. All
0: right. So let's fast forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What if you're like thirty nine? Yeah. <laughs> and you're get doing really well now in a new career and you and you haven't really saved or covid happened like mm-hmm. for many people and your life fell apart and you did have to claim bankruptcy and now you're restarting yep. and a few years goes by and now you're making really good money and everything's going really good and you're a little bit concerned about your retirement mm-hmm. what's like it's it's obviously probably better to be a little more aggressive with investing so what is some advice for like 39 year olds
2: there's one thing <laughs> yeah. I, yes. really like. yes. I really like that i read the other day yep. that i think goes both to both your questions and it's the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Right. The second yeah. best time is today. It's today, yeah. yeah. Right? So
1: tax-free savings, you know, and once that's maxed out, then you determine does an RSP make sense? Just save. You have more flexibility, more options, the more money you have put away. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're listening to this and you're in a relationship that you don't want to be in, but you don't have enough money, then save. That will empower you to get out of that relationship. If you are at a workplace that you don't love and you want to get the heck out of there, the more you can save, the Mm -hmm. more options you have available. I've seen situations where people stay in jobs that they absolutely detest and, or relationships that they don't want to be in, but they are, they're imprisoned financially yeah. because they yeah. can't get out. The more you can put away, the better you will sleep at night and you can just make better decisions for yourself and just have better quality of life and, and mental health. So yeah, I think just having sure. um, an an overall financial plan and, and hey, things things happen we slip up changes, you know right? yeah you know I've, I've stopped at the mall <laughs> meaning to pick up one thing and next thing you know you're like Oh, put
2: we'll that know. in the budget later yeah, you, <laughs>
1: spend, you, you spend two hundred dollars more than you anticipated yeah. or whatever yeah, like life. you know what you and, you, and you do that if you're dieting too it's like oh i'm just gonna have you know one oreo and next thing you know you have four and oh. you don't just say oh what the hell i'm gonna eat the whole bag you yeah. just say no okay tomorrow i'm gonna do better right
0: or hopefully one, not the whole bag but. one firehouse sandwich and then you end up leaving oh. the office after eating. And four and you got five in your lunch bag <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, what happened to me yeah. yesterday <laughs>
1: i i think the key is just you know saying hey but just every day you have a fresh start yeah so just start fresh and
0: keep going yeah so uh just a little bit more about you like um what's what's one book that you would recommend i would say her book <laughs> Retire Thanks, on Sean, purpose. I don't
1: have to pay. Ellen, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? Because I have
2: wanted to ask you like what yeah. your experience yep. was was like writing a book, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. You
1: know what? That, so that's the second one. This, the second one was uh, much easier. It's just my experience on a day-to-day basis. Mm. I, I tell a few stories in there of people that were going to work one lady was for $44 a month Mm -hmm. because she didn't realize that the lady that was her financial professional didn't do a tax plan for her. And if this lady actually took her work pension, Canada pension, old age, um, (coughs) she was only going to work for 44 bucks. So when that happened, it was like, I need to write a book to educate people. Mm -hmm. So I really think, um, that, and a book i would recommend i just read and i'm listening to it on audible because it's such a great book yeah there's a gentleman by the name of ed milette he wrote a book called the power of one more okay and it just you know doing one more you know and if you're if you own a business like making one more phone call or absolutely reaching out to a friend and, and sending a text you know talk to one more person and just or if you're working out of the gym, do one more rep and just yep. having that, just do a little bit more than the previous day. And you'll look back in a year and you'll be a totally different person. So maybe you're putting away, you know, putting away one more dollar a day or just doing something in your day to day life that might put a smile on on somebody's face, you're opening a door for one more person walking into an establishment. Um, I think if we all try that, our world would be a better place. Yeah,
2: a book I was actually um, I saw. I was just scrolling through my phone there Mm -hmm. because you reminded me of Audible. It's called The uh, Psychology of Money uh, by Morgan Housel. Um, Very good book because it it looks at, um, you know, financial decision making, and like the emotion that drives it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a very interesting perspective that he brings up and he kind of breaks it down like you really have to be objective a lot of the time when it comes to making financial decisions, especially in markets that fluctuate up and down. Right. You know, where a lot of people will panic and sell a lot of their, their interests in other assets when they're underperforming mm-hmm. or you know, crashing, I guess, as a lot of people say, mm-hmm. wherein, you know, psychologically, if you try and remove yourself emotionally from that situation, it, it really makes sense not to sell even when they're down low. Right. You know, holding that for when it recovers is a, as a thing that that a lot of people might not consciously be able to recognize. So okay. that's a book that I would suggest if you have time to look at, because I found it very interesting because um, he also looks at like what's the habits of spending, mm-hmm. um, he, he, he brings a really great example of a farmer. Um, in, you know, a Midwestern U.S. town. And, you know, he works on his farm, very unassuming gentleman, very, you know, doesn't wear a lot of fancy clothing, that type of stuff. When he dies, they find he's got $10 million in his bank account kind of thing. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, wow, how did this guy, how does he have all this money? Mm-hmm. And he just saved, invested his money, had really good spending habits. Mm-hmm. versus someone who might have made tons and tons of money but has right. poor spending habits yeah. and spends all <laughs> the time and yeah. you know, you could earn a million dollars, but if you spend a million in one, you're still in the in the yeah. negative. Okay. So I think that's another good book if if you wanna if you think the psychology of money. of money.
0: The psychology of money. Nice. Yeah. And uh, just any? Do you do any community stuff? Is there anything that you're part of, or anything that you that you have a passion for?
1: Yeah, I'm on the board for Lakeview Montessori School, oh, and nice. I'm also on the board for Community Living Windsor.
0: Awesome, cool. And any anything that we missed that you want to we want to mention? No,
1: I think that's great. I mean, if people want to learn more um, about what we do at our office. Our website is Godfroy, G O D F R O Y, financial.com. And you can actually download the free audiobook of my book or the PDF version. So, and I have a lot of YouTube videos for everybody so whether you're younger or you know trying to figure out retirement or you're retired and you're looking at your estate i have a lot of free information and resources on there so check it out
2: awesome Sweet. and then just to reiterate your books are why i need a financial advisor and retire on purpose correct
0: yeah. awesome That's awesome uh awesome well thank you so much thank for your you so time. much for coming i appreciate
2: Thanks you for being here me.